Many people are using the FaithFi app to help provide the wisdom, community, and money management to stay on track, financially speaking. To date, over 37,000 members are using its digital envelope system, participating in our community forums, and engaging in virtual workshops. And one of the most convenient features is the ability to keep all your accounts in one place for an easy at-a-glance view. You can choose from one of three options depending on your management style, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to faithfy.com and click App to get started. You've heard the ads on the radio. Identity thieves can take your house unless you buy title fraud insurance. I am Rob West. You've also heard that home title fraud is a growing type of identity theft. But is the answer really another insurance policy? Or can you protect yourself? I'll talk about it today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. So here's how it's supposed to work. A lender notifies you that they're about to foreclose on your home. That's news to you because you haven't taken out a new mortgage or other loans on the property. The type of fraud that kicks off that scenario can take several forms, but all of them start with identity theft. There's even a very sophisticated version involving wire fraud that has the FBI's attention, but it's pretty rare. Today, I'm talking about a much simpler and more common variety that we'll just call title fraud, and it works like this. The thief walks into your county deeds office and fakes your signature on what becomes a fraudulent deed transfer in your name giving the property to someone else. The thief then takes out a home equity loan or refinances with cash out and skips town. After a few months of non-payment, the lender then begins foreclosure proceedings. All of this is happening without the real homeowner knowing anything about it until it's too late. Now, many companies today are advertising that they can protect you from this type of fraud. But what exactly are you buying with title fraud insurance that may cost $15 a month or more? First, you need to understand that this isn't what's typically known as title insurance, which, by the way, you should always get when you purchase a property. As it turns out, title fraud insurance really isn't insurance at all, and it doesn't lock your title as some of the names imply. Real title insurance protects you against any claim involving the validity of your ownership of the property, and it's a one-time purchase, usually several hundred dollars. Title fraud insurance is a completely different product, and it won't protect you in the very unlikely event that a scammer forges your signature and transfers your title. Title fraud insurance products will usually just monitor whether your deed has been transferred out of your name at the county records office. That might be helpful if you're able to react in time and challenge the deed transfer at the county records office before the scammer takes out a new loan. But that's a big if. And there's no way to actually lock a title in any state. There's nothing to stop a scammer from forging your signature and transferring a deed out of your name. But you can monitor yourself whether a fraudulent transfer has occurred. Most counties allow you to view the status of your deed online, and some counties even allow you to sign up for automated alerts involving deed changes. 
So by now you're asking, if I don't monitor the status of my deed all the time, how do I protect myself from home title fraud? Well, in theory, you don't really need protection against it because no matter how the scam plays out, it's still fraud. If someone forges your signature, transfers your deed, and then takes out a loan on the property, you're not responsible. The con artist didn't legally own your property, so the lender doesn't have a legal claim to it. If they tried to foreclose on you, it would be wrongful foreclosure and wouldn't hold up in court. There's another reason that the bank or mortgage company wouldn't come after you. They would, as a matter of course, require the scammer to pay for lender's title insurance at closing, protecting them against any loss. There would be no reason for them to come after you, even though, as I said, they'd have no case against you. But you can take further precautions. Get out your title insurance documents from when you purchased the property. Look to see what it covers and doesn't. It'll always protect you from legal claims against your ownership and possibly, but not necessarily, against fraud. If it doesn't, you can purchase a title insurance policy that protects against fraud, even if you bought the property years ago. And of course, that means if you didn't buy title insurance when you first bought the property, you can still get it. It will not only protect you from a loss, but will also cover any legal fees involved with defending your ownership. In most cases, the title company will actually provide an attorney to represent you. So the bottom line is title insurance, always a good idea. Title fraud insurance, probably not worth the money. As Matthew ten sixteen teaches, be innocent as doves, but wise as serpents. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and you're listening to Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Much more straight ahead. God has entrusted his finances to you, and we at FaithFi have designed our FaithFi app to help you live, give, owe, and grow with that perspective. Our FaithFi app is the leading biblically-based finance app. You can manage your money, get top biblical financial resources, and interact with a community of like-minded believers, where you can ask questions, get answers, and share what you're learning. Go to faithfi.com and click the word app to get started. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Faith and Finance program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. All right, our calls are, well, your calls are ready to be taken by our team. Lines are open at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. We've got several lines open for whatever you're thinking about today financially. We'd love to tackle it. Our promise to you is to be encouraging and hopeful to help you apply the wisdom from God's Word, the principles and practical ideas to whatever you're thinking about today in your financial life. Again, 800 
525-7000 with your questions and or a testimony today. If you'd like to share a story of how God has been faithful in your financial life as you've applied these principles, we'd love to hear it. Again, 800-525-7000. We start today by talking about recession readiness, and certainly we need to be financially ready for recession so that we're prepared with a strong financial foundation. That's really key. We need to dump debt. We need to limit spending. We need to have a spending plan, have some margin built in, thinking long-term and continuing to give generously uh, all along the way. But our perspective is really critical as well. We have to begin with the idea that our identity is rooted in Christ, not our things. It's not about what you do or what you have. Our identity is in Christ, our hope of glory. And when we have that right perspective, well, it changes everything because perspective determines our behaviors. Our perspective is gained and maintained by spending time daily with the Lord in His Word so that we're renewing our minds. And then as we approach our finances from that biblical worldview, well, it changes everything about how money now is a tool, not only to accomplish God's purposes and provide for ourselves and our families, it's also a tool to grow our faith. It's a a daily demonstration of where we've placed our trust. It's also a testimony to the world as we live out our faith through our finances. It's an example, especially in uncertain times, of how we're trusting the Lord and still being generous, helping those on our path even in the midst of the uncertainty. So it's just as important, I would say perhaps even more important, to deal with our worldview and our perspective at the same time we're dealing with our financial house. And as we focus on the eternal, the things that will last, well, it puts the temporal in its proper role and allows us to focus on really that which is most important. Hopefully that will help you as you think about where you head from here and uh, really the importance of spending time daily with the Lord, especially as it relates to this area of financial management. All right, let's begin today by uh, diving into your calls. Uh, We've got a few lines open, 800-525-7000 to Washington. Hi, Linda. What can I do for you? Hi, Rob. Thanks so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, I hear, mine's kind of twofold. So you hear a lot of things about the economy crashing and what we're going to go into and what will that look like? Will our money be totally worthless? And what does that look like? And, you know, should I take some money out of my savings and pay down my mortgage right now? Might that be a better place to have my money? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, a couple of thoughts on that, Linda. I mean, certainly we've heard uh, doom and gloom type scenarios for a long, long time. I think the Christian community has been particularly susceptible to this. I mean, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the late Larry Burkett, the incredible impact he's had on millions. And to this day, we hear from folks every week that are talking about Larry's ministry. Well, Larry wrote a book in the 70s called The Coming Economic Earthquake, and we really never saw that play out. Now, I think Larry was early in that call, and a lot of the things he's talked about are 
are uh, even more of a concern today, even though we've never seen any kind of economic collapse. And uh, the the economists and God-fearing uh, folks that I trust don't see anything like that uh, on the horizon. Certainly, uh, we could see something like a debt crisis, um, you know, down the road, but I think uh, that's beyond the near term. Um, you know, the question you have to ask is, you know, what is possible in terms of a, a complete collapse of the economy? I, I just don't see that. I mean, could we get into a period where we have high inflation and, and like we have now, but where it's sustained for a period of time with slower growth because of slow growth policies that results in higher unemployment, um, you know, yes, absolutely we could. And that's one of the reasons why we need to get back to a biblical view of economics that puts value on human life and understands God's design for economies and wealth creation, that human beings are a blessing, not a curse. We were created to be productive, to take God's creation and to order it and improve it. And that uh, activity becomes economic expansion that creates wealth that's then reinvested. And that's a virtuous cycle. And as a part of that, we give back to the God that created us. And that generosity and economic expansion is really God's design. And that keeps interest rates low as a reflection of the the lack of risk in the system. And then we get that wrong by taking God out of his rightful place and putting government in that place. And then we suppress uh, interest rate rates like we have, and now we're relying on the Federal Reserve and in ways that we shouldn't. And all of that is problematic, and it's one of the reasons why we need to be you know, voting for people that uh, are in Washington who understand God's design and understand the principles that led to the United States taking off like a, a rocket ship uh, over uh, nations that were, uh, you know, uh, centuries older than we were. Um, and, you know, could that result as we violated some of these principles in, um, you know, economic turmoil? Well, certainly. Um, but I don't think there's anything on the horizon that would cause us to say we need to live in fear. I don't think we ever need to live in fear. We we place our trust in God. But should we be pulling money out of the banks and burying it in the backyard? And, you know, should we be stockpiling gold? No, I don't think any of that needs to happen. In fact, I think based on everything we know today, we still need to, uh, you know, be long-term investors, the very best way for us to overcome the effects of inflation is to have a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio where we're a, a partial owner in a company with real sales and earnings. We still today, despite our challenges, live in the strongest nation, uh, economically speaking, in the world. That's a good thing. Uh, despite some of the things that are going on geopolitically that are reducing the dominance of the dollar, and we're still innovating and you know driving uh, world economic activity forward. So I think in light of that, we, we get our thinking right, placing our trust in God and realizing our dependence is in Him, not the things of this world. We follow His principles with regard to how we manage His money, minimizing the use of debt, setting long-term goals, giving generously, um, having some margin in our financial life, living within our means. If we do all of those things, I think we put ourselves in a position to experience God's best. 
And when we've done that, then we've done everything we can do as a faithful steward. So I hope that's an encouragement to you as both the practical advice on where we go from here, as well as how we think about it from the long term. Uh, You stay on the line. We'll talk about the second half of your question just around the corner, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. Hey, just after this break, we'll be back with a lot more of your calls and questions. Stay with us. This is Faith and Finance. We're grateful for support from Movement Mortgage, who provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Guided by a mission to love and value people and a goal to redefine the mortgage process, Movement seeks to help others achieve their financial goals. You can find out more at movement.com slash faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Are you struggling to fit your faith into your practice as a Christian financial advisor? The Certified Kingdom Advisor designation teaches you a step-by-step process to confidently deliver advice that aligns with Christian values. Discover the skills you need to help your clients make a kingdom impact. Get started today by enrolling in the CKA educational program at kingdomadvisors.com slash get certified. That's kingdomadvisors.com slash get certified. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. Just before the break, we were talking to Linda in Washington and Linda was asking about the possibility and uh, of an economic crash and what that might look like. Uh, before we get to the second half of your question about your mortgage and paying that off with savings, I uh, want to give you a chance just to react to my thoughts about that. Yes, you know what? I don't fear. I know that God's in control. And I, um, you know, I don't have a lavish lifestyle. I don't have any debt other than um, a little bit on my mortgage that I am diligently paying off. So, yes, what you said makes perfect sense. And, you know, God's in control. And I know that. I trust that. And that's all I can do. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it doesn't mean we bury our heads in the sand either. So I don't fault you for asking the question. And we need to be shrewd as managers of God's resources. Uh, We need to keep our eyes fixed on the eternal, not the things of this world. But we need to be wise money managers while we're here. And I think we're we're always balancing that. Uh, With regard to paying off your mortgage, I love the idea of you being out of debt. And if you said to me, Rob, I just really have a conviction from the Lord to be out of debt, soon as possible, I'd say, well, you know, then get that mortgage paid off as quick as you can. Um, but I, I would, apart from that, I would say, uh, you know, I also don't want you to deplete all of your reserve capital. So 
if you paying off your mortgage or paying it down rapidly would deplete all of your emergency savings, then I wouldn't be excited about that. Or if it were to take funds that really, you know, belong in your retirement savings so that you can grow a nest egg to turn into an income stream to supplement retirement, I'd like to try to balance that so you can keep enough growing for the future and enough working capital and emergency reserves. And if that meant in order to do that, you couldn't pay off the mortgage as quickly, I would be okay with that. And perhaps a goal then is to have that mortgage paid off by the time you retire. But if you said, no, Rob, I've got three to six months expenses separate from this, and I feel like I'm on track with my retirement savings, having enough that's growing for the future uh, so that I've got what I need to supplement Social Security, and I have a surplus beyond that, should I dump you know, mortgage debt, I'd say absolutely, no matter the interest rate, let's try to accelerate that. But if you don't have those two other pieces and you'd have to pull from one of those, then I'd probably say apart from just a, a real conviction from the Lord to be out of debt as soon as possible, I'd probably, you know, delay that a bit so you could focus on those other two things. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. And um, can I just ask one more thing when you made a comment, first part of my question regarding um, a debt crisis. So looking at that, would that be a debt crisis um, involving our country, our economy as a country, or collectively with all of the debt that we that people have? Yeah, well, it's it's both. What I was talking about would be uh, where we default as a nation. So we would be unable to make our debt payments. Uh, and that could come, you know, this summer if we don't raise the debt ceiling, but uh, that'll just kind of be a political football that they'll work through. But longer term, the debt levels that we're amassing in this country, uh, we're not too far away from our biggest expenditure as a nation in terms of our annual budget is going to be debt service, interest on the debt. And if we were to get to the point where we had to, we defaulted on our debt and other nations have done this and we've kind of seen that play out, that would create a real problem where folks would lose confidence in the U.S. and we would result in high inflation and uh, there would be, you know, a whole host of ramifications of that. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Our current levels are manageable. The problem is the trend is you know much higher in the future, and it's something uh, Jerry Boyer and I have talked about extensively, and so that's something we need to monitor. And uh, you know, further down the horizon, it it could be problematic even for a nation as big and as as prosperous as ours is. And so that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, Linda, thank you for your call today. We appreciate you being on the program. Uh, to Evanston, Illinois. Hi, Peggy. Go right ahead. Hi. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks. Um, just a question. I am 63. I only have one debt that I just recently got because I did the basement over. And I am a caregiver for my family members. And I'm just trying to make sure that if I take on another in reference to making sure I'm in track for everything, because I have a debt of 61000 I just did the basement over and I don't have any other debt other than that. No car note, no mortgage. Um, okay. I don't have yeah. a savings, but I have a 401. 
Okay. So you've got a $61,000 mortgage for a home renovation project. You have a, a retirement account with about how much in it, roughly? Probably about five hundred. About 500000 Yes. Okay. And what is your age, if you don't mind me asking? 63. Okay. And how far, just based on what you know today, how far away is retirement? I would like to do it today, but I know probably three years. <laughs> okay. All right. Three years. And you're still contributing to that retirement account? Yes, I am. And at one time I was doing 30% after my parents wow. passed away because I was the caregiver for them. Yeah. But now I'm down to 20 because I want to pay off this loan because I haven't had debt for 10 years. So Okay. Yeah. No, I understand how you want to get rid of that. And what about liquid savings? What do you have? How many months worth of expenses? None of that, because I'm just trying okay. to pay everything off currently. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, the next thing for you to do is do your retirement budget, which just basically says, what do I need to live on in retirement? Most folks live on 70 to 80% of their pre-retirement income because they're no longer saving for retirement. Maybe they've dropped their life insurance. They're not eating out as much. I mean, things like that. So uh, I would put together that budget and then look at what Social Security Plus, you probably want to think about, you know, maybe 20000 a year from that half a million, maybe 25000 if it grows to 600000 between now and then, uh, would be about the amount you'd want to be pulling. And if that 25000 a year plus Social Security covers your retirement budget, then you're on track. If not, then that'll give you a goal of what you need to save beyond that. But apart from that, sounds like you're doing great. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast, but tune in next time and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you. 